Everybody, thank you so much for, yeah. For all of you that have uh, volunteered the first two weeks and uh, have gone into the community and made a difference and just shared Christ's love, you're making a difference. And for those of you that uh, were behind the scenes, you're fixing and preparing meals, uh, you are very much as part of Mission Lansdale as anybody else. And you guys are doing a top-notch job. The food has been fantastic. Um, and so I want to say thank you to, um, to everybody that has been involved in uh, Mission Lansdale the first two weeks. Hey, we're not done yet. We've got two more weeks left, um, starting with today. And so we are, uh, we're just we're super excited. Um, so this morning, um, I have the chance to... Uh, share with you uh, for today's uh, message, uh, what's kind of been on my heart, and uh, maybe through this you can get to know me a little bit better and who I am. Uh, My name is Brian. Uh, I am one of the pastors on staff here. I'm the community pastor here at Bridge Community Church, and um, it's, again, it's an honor to be able to uh, stand up here uh, today with you guys. A little bit about me. Uh, Most of you, maybe you've heard this, I'm not sure, uh, but I am from Ohio, uh, that's where I was raised. I was not born there. I was actually born in Wichita Falls, Texas. I don't remember anything about Texas. Um, apparently, I was in a tornado. That's what my mom tells me. I've got to believe her because she's my mom. Um, but uh, I don't remember a tornado. I don't remember anything about it. I was just a baby. And then we moved to, uh, we moved to Ohio, which has uh, really been uh, you know, the, the place that I grew up in, in my home state, uh, where I'm from. And my parents are still uh, living in Ohio, and so I get a chance to go home and, and visit them. And um, so, yeah, that's who I am. Uh, I'm a graduate of uh, Valley Forge Christian College. I graduated in 2007. And uh, God has just been uh, a huge integral part of my life. And uh, he's literally the reason that I am uh, standing up here before you guys today. And I'll share a little bit more about my story uh, a little bit later, but I want to um, open with a question this morning, and I want to ask you guys, what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus? Uh, I think the common answer that we, that we all hear or we all want to say um, is that we introduce and educate people in Christ, which isn't necessarily the wrong answer. It's just not the entire answer, Right? And so, um, and that's a great answer, but there's a couple things that I want to consider when it comes to being a disciple. And I hope this morning that maybe we can unpack that a little bit further. And for those of you that have been a part of Mission Lansdale the first two weeks, uh, you have been in the mission field here in your neck of the woods, here in your community. And uh, we've had the great honor of working with the North Penn Boys and Girls Club. And so this morning, we, we also have another great honor of welcoming Angela Copeland up here with me. Angela, if you want to make your way up. She is the, uh, yeah, give it up. Yeah. So Angela is, uh, you've been on staff at the North Penn Boys and Girls Club for uh, about the same amount of time that I've been here at Bridge, right? A few months. Uh, You are the Success 360 director, right? Okay, awesome. I'm going to grab you a mic here. Um, I would love for you just to, uh, this morning for a few moments, just kind of tell your story, um, you know, a little bit, uh, how you came to the Boys and Girls Club, how you became on staff there, and just kind of walk us through that. Okay. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for welcoming me here today. It is a blessing and an honor to be in the house of the Lord. Um, Basically, I moved to Lansdale back in 2012. I had just graduated from LaSalle University, and my father was the pastor of Hope Fellowship Community Church right down the street, and he wanted to be closer to his church as opposed to making that commute every Sunday. So as an obedient daughter, I followed. 
And when we first moved out here, I was itching to get back to the city. So he took me around and walked me around, and we found the Lansdale train station. So I said, okay, cool, I know how to get back home. And we saw the Boys and Girls Club, and they said, hiring inside, seek inside, you know, those kind of signs. And my dad was like, well, you need a job, so why don't you apply in there? And I was like, I don't want to work at the Boys and Girls Club. You know, <laughs> you think so highly of yourself. I just graduated from college with the teacher certificate, and I'm ready to go into the school district. And what happened was I started to feel kind of down and a little bit sad. And my grandmother said, child, you need to get out the house, and you need to get a job. <laughs> And so I applied to a couple, you know, child care centers, a few schools, and, and to the Boys and Girls Club. I said, okay, why not? Do what Daddy said. And out of all the places that I applied to, the Boys and Girls Club was the only place to respond to my email. And I said, okay, God, I hear you. When God gives you a sign, clear as day, need staff, apply inside. You need a job, but no, nah, I'm good. I'm not going to go there. And then out of all the places, they were the only ones that took me and accepted me. And I've been there since 2012 in September. I started out as an aide. All the lead teacher positions were filled. And they said, well, are you willing to be an aide? We know with your background, you could be a lead, a lead teacher. And I said, well, it's a job. So, yeah, I'll be here and I'll do, you know, whatever you need. And in that first year, I was promoted to the lead teacher and then just – in June of this year, I was transitioned into the Success 360 director yeah. position. That's awesome. Um, why, why is the club significant to you? I'm not going to cry today. So um, for me, after being there for so many years, the club has become home and or home away from home. And through life's challenges and things that I've gone through over the past couple years, the club has what I believe it does for our students and our club members, it became my constant or something that was consistent for me. Um, I've had health challenges, family dynamic changes. My dad actually passed away in 2015. And, you know, that's not an easy transition to go through, but having the club be the constant, something that I can look forward to, something that gave me purpose was something that kind of just helped me out. And I really got a chance to see how we work as a family. Um, our CEO, Robert Kramer, stepped up to the plate once he found out about my dad passing, and he has not let me down since. He's had my back ever since, and they really look out for me. And it's a great opportunity for me to just be there and be in what I call ministry, you know, um, just to see the kids grow up. With teaching, sometimes, I've, and I've said this to you before, you don't really get a chance to see what happens to your students. Once you've t taught them, they go on to the next grade, and sometimes they come back and visit, and sometimes they don't. But at the Boys and Girls Club, I've been there, and I have been able to see my kids grow up from first grade into second grade and so on. And actually, this coming fall, my very first first grade classroom will be my first seventh grade classroom. Wow. So God has really brought us full circle. We did our own 360, so to speak, and... Um, you know, so it's just a blessing to be there, to see God work and have the opportunity to talk to family members and parents and just things you wouldn't ordinarily get to do in a school-based, you know, environment. But I see God moving, and I'm just thankful. Yeah, that's awesome. And you mentioned the word constant. Uh, and those kids, for as much as the club has been a constant for you, um, that's what those kids need as well. And I can tell just by them coming and your interactions with them and their interactions with you, uh, you're their constant. Mm -hmm. 
And um, just can you just kind of touch on real quick, uh, maybe some of the backgrounds the kids go through. You don't have to name names or anything right. like that, but um, give us just some insight on what, what the kids are dealing with right now. Well, some of them are coming from, you know, diverse backgrounds. Some of them are not from this country, so they're dealing with having to be uh, English as second language learners. Some are coming from broken homes, parents away, incarcerated backgrounds of drug abuse, alcohol abuse, or just low um, economic status. So the fact that the club is there to give them an outlet, somewhere to go, give them an option, um, and helps the parents out who have to work a little bit later with the hours because we're open up until 8 o'clock at night. And it's just, it's a lot to see, but it's so grateful that the doors are open Mm -hmm. and we're available. Yeah, that's so that's so good. Um, so in two weeks that we've had with you guys, uh, first, again, thank you so much for uh, the opportunity to bring the kids here and, and to do the workshops with them. It's, they're an incredible group of kids. Um, but in the first two weeks, how have you seen um, how Bridge has uh, impacted and benefited the students? Um, well, first off, we, each um, week we have students that have to sign up to be in our program. And there was one particular um, young man that was not signed up for, to come the next week. And once he was with us here, he was like, Miss A, I, I need to come back. I, can you fit me in? Can you sign me up? Can I do it? Once he heard about the basketball workshops and things like that, they are honestly excited to be here. Um, I have teenagers, so, you know, getting up in the morning in the summer, it is not their thing to do. Um, you know, we start at 11, which I thought was, you know, a little bit lenient for them. And they kind of come straggling in at 1130. But on Tuesdays, they know they have to be there by 11 o'clock to get on that bus, and they are there at 1045 wow. every Tuesday. They beat me into the room for, you know, to take attendance and things like that. So to me, God is stirring something up inside of all of them. Mm-hmm. They don't even realize what's happening, but they're excited. They're eager. They want to be here. They enjoy it. And um, Wanju came and supported our kids on Friday at our talent show. They were so, so when I tell you excited, like screaming, jumping up and down, they were so happy. And that's what it's all about, like making that connection and then following through on it. And they get to see that people are there and that they love them genuinely. And I believe that they are recipients of that and they feel it because they will filter out the fakes real quick. But they feel it here. Yeah, that's so good. And that's a testament to the church and the DNA and who, and who Bridge is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite questions that I get every week now is, are we getting something today? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have one kid that every time we leave, I wonder what's for lunch next week. <laughs> yeah. He tries, yeah. he spends the whole rest of the week trying to guess what they're going to eat for yeah. the next week. One, one little guy, I think he uh, peeked through the, the windows over there into the staging room in 103. And he's like, we're getting a football, aren't we? <laughs> so um, it's, it's awesome. Uh, they're, they're so fantastic. And I know we have two weeks left, but um, here at Bridge, we don't want the two weeks just to be the end all be all. Like we want to continue. So what are some ways that we can partner uh, with you? Well, of course, continue to pray for us and to uplift the families, the staff members as well. Volunteering is something that we thrive on at North Penn Valley Boys and Girls Club. If you are able Monday through Friday to come out, it doesn't have to be every day. But we have a homework room program from first to fifth grade that always needs extra hands. Someone to just listen to the kids read or review math facts, sight words, things like that. We have two games room, one for the younger kids and upstairs, just like an extra set of eyes 
you know, making sure that those little low areas are being covered. Um, we do have programs that we offer in each season, you know, so if anyone has sports backgrounds, artistic backgrounds, we can always use extra help and things like that. Awesome, awesome. Angela, again, thank you so much for, one, coming here this morning and sharing your heart, and two, uh, again, for the opportunity that we can have to partner with you guys. It's been a blast, and um, again, we just want to love on the kids and just let them know that there's another group in the Lansdale area that just cares. That's, that's all we want to do. And so, uh, yeah, thank you so much again. Can we, uh, can we give her a hand? Thank you. And so our main passage this morning is going to be Matthew, eight, or Matthew 4, 18 through 22. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there's one uh, in the seat in front of you. Don't be afraid to grab it. If you don't have one uh, uh, at all, then feel free to go ahead and take that home with you. We would love to have it. Uh, that is yours. That is, uh, that is a gift to you. Uh, and so in Matthew 4, chapter 18, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going out from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. And I know that uh, it's a popular passage, and maybe you've heard a message on this before. You're familiar with the story of uh, Jesus grabbing uh, those four gentlemen, uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, from their boats to become part of his disciples. Uh, again, you've probably heard it, you might have heard it, or maybe you haven't. But this morning, I want to take the time and, and unwrap the story a little differently, and hopefully paint a picture of the decisions that these four guys had to make, and the decisions they faced and the benefits that came along uh, with making that decision to follow Christ. And so there's two things that every follower needs to consider when you're following Christ. And you, uh, you can see that, again, in those verses, uh, those four guys, it says that they dropped everything. And so the first point that I want to make today is, is that they counted the cost. Is that they counted the cost. In any major decision, we have to count the cost. We weigh our options, right? How many of you have done the pros versus cons thing? That's it, come on. Everybody's made the list, like, should I do this, should I not do this, right? Everybody makes that list. So you have to weigh your options. And sometimes it takes quite a while to make a life-changing decision. And it can be difficult. Uh, a little bit more about my story. So I graduated high school in 2001. I grew up in church. I uh, went to youth group. I had a couple of phenomenal youth pastors growing up. They were uh, my mentors. Uh, I spent a ton of time with them. They invested and poured into me. And, um, and I, loved, I loved church and I loved youth group. Uh, and as I was going along, each of my youth pastors that I had um, at some point or another, uh, again, when they would just spend time with me, they said, Brian, there's, just, there's something about you. And um, I, I see your heart and I hear, I hear your heart. And I, I feel like you need to consider... Um, ministry. And I'm like, ministry? You know, it's a typical, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's really for me, you know. And um, again, going through high school and reaching my senior year, uh, being more involved in, in youth group and church, uh, my, my youth pastor, Pastor Aaron, said, Brian, I, I'm really serious. I think you need, to, you need to look into possibly Valley Forge, you know, or, you know, uh, some kind of youth ministry program. 
uh, because I, I, see, I see your heart and I see how much you care uh, for your friends and for your fellow students. And, um, and so you know, just continue to be mentored and talking to Pastor Aaron. It, it was kind of confirmed a few times and through different people um, that were telling me that this is, you know, this is what you should do. And spending time in prayer, I kind of felt a nudge like, you know, okay, th- this is the direction. Um, but what happened in my life was I started to count the cost, just to be completely transparent. I counted the cost. And all those things just started running through my mind, like, okay, Valley Forge, that's uh, from Youngstown, Ohio. is about a five-hour drive across the PA Turnpike that's on the other side of Pennsylvania, basically on the East Coast. I'm really far away from family. I, I don't, I don't want to leave my mom. Um, I don't want to leave you know, everything that I knew. I don't want to leave my friends. I don't want to leave everything that's familiar to me. Uh, you know, that just doesn't sound like something I want to do. And I let the cost determine my direction. And so for two years, I, uh, I decided I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go to Valley Forge. God, I'm not going to... Uh, follow your calling in my life. And so I ended up at Youngstown State University. Uh, Youngstown State right now is pretty popular because of Jim Tressel, the former Ohio State football coach, and he's the president there. And so that's where I ended up for two years at YSU. And my time at YSU was um, bad and fun. And I say fun because um, I went there and hung out. I would go hang out with friends. Um, I'd actually go to campus, and, and we would hang out. Uh, I'd go to the football field, throw the ball around, do whatever. The last thing I did was go to class. Uh, that, that was, I didn't do that. I was the stupidest decision because I lived 30 minutes from campus, and I'd make the trip to campus with the intention of going to class. I would skip class and go do whatever I wanted to do. Um, and so for the two years that I was at Youngstown State, it was just a total waste of time and money. And I completely was ignoring God's call. I thought I was doing what I wanted to do, and, and it was good. And in fact, it was just one of the biggest uh, mistakes slash lessons that I was going to learn in my life because I was wasting literally thousands of dollars by, by being enrolled at Youngstown State but not really going to class. I passed some classes, the ones that I liked going to, but the ones that I hated, I skipped all the time. You know? and, and so it was just a huge, a, a huge mistake in my life. And finally, I can remember... Uh, one night, uh, I'm, I'm in uh, young adults at church. I still went to uh, Calvary Assembly of God in uh, Glenwood Avenue in Bourbon, Ohio. I still know exactly, obviously, where the church is. And um, I went to young adults that one night, and um, I can remember just sitting there. It's, the picture is so vivid in my mind even to this day that I'm sitting there, and worship is playing. And uh, it just so happened that our senior pastor, Pastor Dave, was leading young adults that night. And um, growing up, I always had this fear that Pastor Dave, like as a student, um, I was sitting there and I, I always made sure that I wasn't goofing off because I was always afraid that Pastor Dave would always like call me out or call out one of the students, you know, like that big, typical, um, stereotypical senior pastor. He's like looking over somewhere and, and uh, you're goofing off. And he's like, Brian, I see what you're doing. I'm telling your parents, you know. And uh, so um, I walked into young adults and I still kind of had that image of Pastor Dave. And sure enough, during worship, uh, he went up there and he stopped everything. And he said, I need to say something real quick because I feel like there's people in this room that aren't doing what you should be doing and you know it. And immediately I was like, oh, no. 
oh, he did it. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> and uh, I, it just, I knew it in my mind. And sure enough, Pastor Dave got up there, and uh, he's looking around the room, and then he points to me, and he goes, Brian Algio. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Uh, and he said, I don't, I don't know what you're thinking or what's going through your mind right now. I, I, I would love, I want to talk to you. I want to connect with you. Um, but you know where you should be, and you shouldn't be here. I'm like, I'm at church. You're telling me I shouldn't be at church. And he's like, God's called you to ministry. What are you doing with your life? And in that moment, man, I just broke. Like, everything inside of me just, like, was broke because I knew that I let the cost determine my direction. I let the cost determine my direction. And I can tell you that uh, it is an absolute miracle that uh, I graduated from Valley Forge uh, not even that, but that I got into Valley Forge because my GPA was so bad at Youngstown State that I said, God, all right, I'm not testing you, but I am. Uh, if you want me to get into Valley Forge, then it's going to be because of you, not me. Because you see what I've done, and you see my GPA, and you see what a wreck I am, or Pastor Paul would say a hot mess, right? Um, and, and so I applied, um, sent everything in, and lo and behold, I got an acceptance letter back that said, congratulations, you're on probation um, for accepting, being accepted to Valley Forge. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, was, I, I got into, to, at that time, VFCC, and, um, but I was on probation for about a year until they, I could prove to them that I was serious about, about my schoolwork and everything. So um, that is a total and complete blessing that uh, I was even accepted uh, into Valley Forge. And it was the hardest thing of my life because at the time my mom was going through divorce. My sister was going away to college. And the timing was awful in my mind because, again, uh, I'm leaving my mom. She's by herself. My sister's going an hour away to school and she's by herself. I'm leaving everything that I've loved, all my friends and everything, to, to follow God's will. And I was scared out of my mind. And it was scary. And I can't imagine what these disciples were thinking and going through at that time, right? Because a lot of us think, oh, wow, that's cool. They're going and walking with Christ. Yeah, I'll go right away. But come on, let's be real. Let's be honest with ourselves, right? They left everything. They left their careers, right? They left something that they had been doing their entire lives and something they were probably really good at. And then it says later that they left, Zeb, they left their father, Zebedee, right? Could you imagine standing there and as Jesus comes and says, hey, come on, let's go. And they turn around and they've got to literally say goodbye to their father and leave him there. Man, that's got to be hard. I can't imagine what they were going through in their thought process. But they did it. And they left. And again, verse 22, it says that James and John were in a boat with their father. And they left him. And they left him. Because here's the thing, when you decide to follow Jesus, you're displacing your own will for his. You're saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. I want to follow who you are. I want to follow where you want me to go. Lastly, in, in, again, in just because like, you go and do this, my four years at Valley Forge, my first couple years, Look, it doesn't, I didn't go there and everything was like peaches and cream, right? Like I didn't go there and everything was great and grandiose and, you know, and whatever. It, 
I question, and I still do, because I'm human, and I'm, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean we don't question these things, right? You still question, like, God, I am not qualified for this. Like, this is, this is a huge undertaking. I, I'm leaving, again, everything that I owned. Should I be at Valley Forge? Because there were days that my heart wasn't in it, right? There were days that I just didn't want to be there. And, you know, even still, there's days where it's like, man, God, you have empowered me to be a pastor. The pressure sometimes that, that I feel that comes along with those responsibilities is enormous. And so for you to question that is completely normal. It happens. And if you look even later, uh, that happened with Peter in Matthew nineteen twenty-seven through 30. Peter literally asked Jesus, and said to him, hey, we've left everything to follow you. What then, will be, what then will there be for us? We've left everything to follow you. What then will there be to, for us? And then Jesus answered in verse 28 through 30. He said, Jesus answered him by saying, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you will have followed me on the side of 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the author of the book, The Cost of Discipleship, said, one act of obedience is worth a hundred sermons. One act of obedience is worth a hundred sermons. Counting the cost is hard. When you consider what you're giving up, when you consider what you should be doing, it's hard. But have you considered the benefits of following Jesus? Have you considered the benefits? And this is a point that uh, can tend to be overlooked or even exaggerated. In conservative circles, we talk about that because the idea is that we don't want to start doing things for Christ just to reap the benefits, right? How many of you have heard that before, right? I don't want to do things just to reap the benefits. Um, or I'll do that because I know God is watching and people will see what I've done. Yeah? I mean, can we, can we, can we also be honest? Like, how many of you had conversations with, with somebody close and say, yeah, you see what they've done? You know they're just doing it for attention, right? I'm being honest, right? How many, that's happened. Uh, my hand's up, <laughs> okay? They're just doing it for attention. They're, their heart's not really in the right place. That's, that's a popular Christian saying. Their heart's not really in the right place. They're just doing it to, to make sure everybody sees them. Then there's the complete opposite side that's better known as the prosperity gospel. The gospel that basically says, do this and you can expect a huge reward, right? A huge reward. But for the guys that decided to drop everything, it was an opportunity to literally learn from the Son of God. Jesus took four very ordinary guys who were fishing and made them his personal disciples. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, uh, they were instantly elevated. And if you look back, uh, the education system, there were three levels of education. And the third level was the highest. The third level was you were a master, uh, you were a rabbi, you were a teacher. And there was a great honor that came with being uh, at that level. And so when you, but when you look at these four guys that Jesus went and grabbed, uh, it was lucky that they probably maybe con- completed the first level. And you see that because of their position, because they were fishermen. It was just 
an everyday, ordinary job. And, and so for Jesus to go and grab those four guys was a huge honor for those guys. And for them to walk and talk with a rabbi, teacher, or master, again, it immediately elevated them. You think it didn't cross their mind when Jesus came to them and said, come and follow me? And they were like, I'll do it. <laughs> I know who you are. I know that you're the son of God. I know that you're the rabbi, that you're a master and teacher. I'm going, man. I'm going. And that's why it said they immediately dropped their nets and followed Christ. Because the benefit outweighed the cost. I doing preparing for my message, uh, it gave me some time to reflect on again where where I've come from to uh where I am now here at Bridge and um it, it's been it's just been incredible to see what God has done with my life. Um I consider myself just one of those ordinary guys. Again, I I I love to work hard and you know make sure I work hard at everything I do and um, I pride myself on that, um, and for God to take me and to place me here this morning is is just an absolute honor. And all again, all I want to do is just honor Him and um, and do His work. And I expect <laughs> I expect nothing in return. And uh, when I was a youth pastor after I graduated from uh, Valley Forge, I spent uh, again a little bit. You guys get to know me a little bit more. I spent eight and a half years in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania which is just a small little uh, river town um, on the uh, PA-Ohio border there. And uh, I look back there, and just the people that I met and the relationships that I formed were incredible. And uh, I came across this uh, one uh, guy, this one teenager um, that I got to know real well, and his name was, uh, was Mike, Mike Lyons. And Mike's story was... Um, so eerily familiar to the movie Blindside. How many of you have seen the movie Blindside? Yeah. I promise you I'm not talking about the movie. I, I absolutely promise. And so uh, Mike is, uh, you can throw that picture up uh, there, Trent. Mike is just a, a phenomenal guy. He's number 74 there, ironically. Uh, played for Beaver Falls, the football team. And uh, I just got to form a great relationship with Mike. And Mike's story is incredible. From the time that he was young, he, um, you can kind of notice, and he jokes about this all the time, uh, you see his one eye is glowing, and that's because it's a glass eye. Mike, Mike was up against it from the get-go. And as a little kid, uh, Mike ran into the corner of a table right into his eye, and so he was blind in one eye. And, and Mike played football, man, and he was good at it. And he's one of the best linemen uh, in Western PA, and uh, big old number 74 there. And Mike's story um, goes like this. His, um, his mom passed away when he was real young, and his dad was in and out of jail. And so he didn't really have a relationship with his father. And there were times in Mike's life where he didn't know where he was literally going to stay the night. And... He had nowhere to go. And it was so sad and just broke me. Um, I'm going to try and hold it together. Um, and, and so Mike started coming to a youth group. And again, I just built this bond and connection with him. And uh, Mike graduated, played football, graduated from uh, Beaver Falls High School. And uh, decided to go to Bethany College in West Virginia uh, to play football there. And my pastor and I at the time, we... Uh, we got to know Big Mike, and uh, he, he said, hey, 
guys, I really don't have a ride to college. Would you guys take me? And we're like, yeah, absolutely, sure thing. And so uh, we grabbed a, a couple of vehicles, went over to uh, where he was staying at the time, and uh, started to uh, load up the car. And we realized at the time that Mike really didn't have anything. Uh, he had maybe a couple little, like literally trash bags of stuff that he brought with him. And we, Pastor and I kind of looked at us and we're like, wow, did we, oh man, we just couldn't believe what was happening. And so we made the trip about an hour um, up the winding hills in West Virginia to where Bethany College is that sits on top of this mountain and uh, got Big Mike all checked in and, and took him to uh, his dorm and helped him unload and, and get his room set up. And um, it, I wish I would have known before what his things looked like and what he took with him. Because then we would have done something a little differently to prepare him to go to college. And um, the things that we unpacked were just blankets that were kind of like ratty and barely, wouldn't, we wouldn't even call them a blanket, really. Um, and it was just sad. Uh, didn't have laundry detergent, didn't have a computer, just was not prepared to, for the college life that a lot of us know and um, are going through maybe even right now. And uh, so my pastor and I, we... We got him as settled as we could, and we, we rode down to, I think it was the Kroger, and just bought him some, you know, some supplies like dish detergent and uh, laundry detergent and water and snacks and stuff like that. Uh, basically, whatever was in our pocket, we, we spent to provide for Big Mike. And we took him, took him those things, and he was emotional. He was a wreck. And uh, we got back in the car. Pastor and I looked at each other, and we were like, that's not enough. This kid is, like, not ready to go to class in a week. Right, I mean, in this day and age, to go to to go to a college without a computer is near impossible. And so we got back, and we happened to have church that night, and we went in front of the congregation. And we just told Mike's story, and um, and the church that night raised like four hundred bucks. And we just went. It was on a whim. We didn't announce it. We didn't, we didn't prepare anybody. They just we did just raise that money and. We went out and had a spending spree and took Mike all of these things. And uh, from that time on, man, Mike, um, Mike is just a phenomenal guy. He graduated this year. Um, he's doing really well. And he was so grateful for the church and what they provided. And um, one of the last things before I moved away from, uh, from Beaver Falls, uh, Mike said, PB, that's what everybody called me, uh, PB, um, because of everything that you've done for me, it's not much, but it's what I can give you. I want you to have my high school helmet. Now, how he got the helmet, I'm not going to ask questions, okay? Um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I, I didn't ask, <laughs> right? Um, but he said, I want you to have my high school helmet. And, and so I know a lot of you saw that this morning sitting on the, on, the, uh, on, the, on the chair there, and some of you saw it in my, uh, um, in my office. And so I keep it on my office, uh, keep it on my desk. Because it's reminding me that, you know what, the benefits outweigh the cost. The benefits outweigh the cost. If I didn't go to Valley Forge... And I didn't follow God's direction in my life, then I would have never met Big Mike. 
I wouldn't have came back to work at Valley Forge, and I wouldn't be here at Bridge. You consider the journey that God will take you on, and you don't know where he can lead you. You just have to let him, because the benefits outweigh the cost. The benefits outweigh the cost. So this morning, I want to invite the worship team, you guys can come on back up. I want to ask you, which one do you struggle with? When we consider the benefits, it's easier to count the cost because we let go of something of less value in order to gain something of greater value. By stepping out in faith, you have no idea what God can do with you. Peter and John are prime examples. Peter ended up preaching to 3,000 people. John became known as the beloved disciple and also someone who Jesus entrusted with his mother. Andrew, he just kept bringing people to Jesus. And James was one of three entrusted men in Jesus' inner circle. So don't tell me that God can't use somebody like you for his kingdom. Those were four very ordinary guys. Don't tell me that God can't use you for something, that God can't use you for his kingdom. Yes, there's a cost, but the benefits of dropping your nets outweigh those costs. As the worship team is playing, I want to invite the prayer team if you guys would come forward. As the worship team is playing, I want you to consider where you are today. Have you truly counted the cost? And have you seen the benefits? Lori, I'm sorry to throw you uh, uh, on the spot this morning. Where's Lori at? Is she here this morning? There you are, Lori. Um, a couple weeks ago, you said that up on stage here with me that uh, you and your family uh, were just coming to church, right? That you were just going with the flow. It was something that you did. And then that one Sunday when you guys decided, you know what, we need to do Mission Lansdale. This is something we need to do. And that changed everything for you and your family, didn't it? Because you decided to drop your net and follow him. And God has blessed your family immensely. You see, again, it was because they counted the cost and the benefits outweighed the cost. All of you that uh, have been here and have been a part of Mission Lansdale or Kids Camp or Youth Camp, you know what I'm talking about. But guess what? Our work isn't done. So again, where are you today? Maybe you're here today and you don't even know what I'm talking about. Maybe you don't know God and you don't have a relationship with Jesus or um, and you're still just trying to figure this whole thing out and what it means to be a disciple. And I want to tell you that our prayer team would love to pray for you this morning. We'd absolutely love to pray with you. If you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, we would love for you to come up and pray with us. We would love that. Or if you're just kind of like, you know, you're, you're just coming and you're kind of, you know, Again, you're doing this because it's a routine and you're here at church because it's what you do on a Sunday. Then, man, you have the opportunity this morning to change that. Because maybe you've let the costs outweigh the benefits. And you're just going through the motions. Again, our prayer team is here for you. And we would love for you to come forward. Because when you give God complete control, incredible things happen. Dive in. Stop sitting on the sidelines. Get involved. There's so many opportunities here at Bridge to get involved. Or if you're there, if you're just sitting there and you're saying, you know what, I'm good. 
I'm involved in everything. I've been on missions trips. I'm good. Are you? Because if, if you're just saying you're good, then it's almost like you're saying you're finished. It's almost like saying I've done enough. Guess what? Your heart's still beating. And if somebody pinched you, you would feel it, right? So your work is not done. Your work is not done. Just because you've done one mission trip or one week of mission Lansdale doesn't mean you're finished. There's a mission field out there that needs you. And it doesn't mean that you have to go on a big, massive trip. Your mission field can be at your work. It can be at Starbucks. It can be anywhere we go. Because our goal is to share the love of Christ. And you're not finished yet. So as we close today, I want you to consider those points that we talked about today. Have you been letting the cost outweigh the benefits? Again, as we close, the worship team is going to take over. Our prayer team is here for you. I'm here for you. We would love to spend time and pray for you. We've got plenty of time. Uh, please don't rush out. Spend these next few moments and really kind of, kind of be honest with yourself and figure out where you are in your life. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we are so thankful again for who you are. God, you very easily, when you sent your son, Jesus, Jesus, you could have easily said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to die on that cross. I'm not, that's, that costs too much. That's too painful. I'm not doing it. But you did it because you knew the benefit that it would have. And God, we are benefiting from that decision that you made. And God, we are eternally grateful and thankful for that. And as we close here today, Lord, I pray that you would just be in a tongue on people's hearts, God, that, that one might need to know you and who you are and experience your love. And two, who have just become complacent and are just, again, going through the motions of life. And they say they're, they're a Christian and, and they, you know, they love you. But God, they're not really, not really working uh, towards any goal. They're not really working uh, for your kingdom. God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them and challenge them this morning. And God, for those of us, God, I pray, Lord, that we would never become complacent. God, I pray that you would continue to challenge us and, and to uh, push us forward to, for your kingdom and, and for everything that you want us to do, God. Lord, we just want to be, be obedient. Lord, we just want to honor you and do everything that you want us to do. God, in your name I pray.